This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as we usually do. How you doing, Rich? I'm doing good, man. Uh, We are about to get back on our season preview grind. Uh, it was really nice to take a break this weekend and talk Kings with James Ham. Uh, definitely, if you're listening to this and missed that one, definitely recommend going back. Uh, James is just super knowledgeable about the Kings. Obviously, haven't worked in the media uh, landscape for the last decade, but we are rolling on to another team. And today it's the Milwaukee Bucks. So we got KJ from Ike Bucks here. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk some Bucks. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on, man. And we're going to do a lot of our focus on the offseason and looking ahead to next year. But the best way, obviously, is focusing on what happened in 2018-19 at first. You're really building off that in Milwaukee. Uh, went 60-22, and best record in the league. Ended up with the MVP, two All-Stars, Coach of the Year, but knocked out in the Eastern Conference Finals against what was the eventual champions in the Toronto Raptors. What were your main takeaways uh, and things that you can build off going into next season from 1819? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I think the majority of Bucks Nation can agree that once the initial pain went away, it was almost a blessing in disguise for Giannis's entire career arc that we didn't just coast to a champ. I mean, it might sound crazy, but this is only going to make Giannis even better. Um, obviously, a championship would have been the preferred outcome, but it almost seemed like that would have been too perfect, and we might have all been caught up in the fairy tale a little bit. Kawhi was on a mission, so he took care of the Warriors. He ended their dynasty. I know there's uh, some people out there who might say, well, the Warriors were injured. I think if you look at it objectively, uh, no one in the NBA was really stopping Kawhi at that point. And it's not crazy to think that he could beat the Bucs. Um, the Raptors were an incredibly good team. And losing to them, but winning the MVP is something that's only going to motivate Giannis further, as you saw in his um, impassioned NBA speech. When he accepted his MVP award, he is not going to stop until he wins a championship. And a lot of guys may say that, but Giannis has the ceiling to match that in terms of he just doesn't have a ceiling. And this is only going to motivate him, put a chip on his shoulder. Uh, You can already hear a little bit of the overrated talk and, oh, he can't shoot. How can they ever win a championship with him? 
Well, rest assured, Giannis is aware of all that, and he's going to improve just as he's done every year, just as he's improved his numbers every year, his efficiency, his leadership capabilities. He understands what he needs to do. It was a tremendous learning experience in the most harsh way possible. And Bucks fans have a lot to look forward to this next year because the team, uh, they pretty much returned everyone, and they even added some great pieces. Yeah, obviously he's a force there, and it is always surprising to me when I remember how young he is. I mean, he's going to be starting the season still at 24 years old. Uh, that is really scary to think about when you realize he's already uh, an MVP player. And then also something I noticed when I was just I was looking at this for another stat, just for some tweet that I wanted to throw out there, and I was looking at every player that shot at least 200 threes. Uh, attempted 203 pointers last season. Of all of those players, Giannis had the worst three point percentage, which, you know, it may sound like a criticism that I'm putting out there, but it's not. It's just the fear and, and the terror that I would have if he started hitting the three. I mean, really, it would be game over, but he is definitely launching them. And I think that's, you know, I think that's probably good for his game overall for the future. But do you see that as something that he's going to eventually add to his arsenal? A hundred percent. When it comes to Giannis, it's almost like, do you even want to take the chance of betting against him? And I think any wise man would say no. Uh, his mentality, it's like Kobe, but his teammates like him. Um, <laughs> you know, he he can't be stopped. Like, the, the league is almost never really seen a player like this where he's a complete athletic specimen bioengineered in a lab to play basketball. He's got that hunger from being on the streets in Greece. He's got the willingness to learn. Uh, he's, he's growing into those leadership qualities. He's got things to motivate him, such as the death of his father, such as this tough loss in the Eastern conference finals. Uh, he's got his support system around him in terms of his brothers, uh, his girlfriend. There's really all the ingredients for Giannis to succeed and you know with him work ethic is not even an issue he's putting up hundreds or even thousands of shots a day uh, I, I would be shocked if Giannis doesn't improve his three-pointer and I think it's going to be one of his heavily scrutinized aspects I think people around the league are going to try and nitpick that part of his game simply because you can't nitpick anything else and even if he does improve, which I expect him to, I think people are still going to be like, oh, well, say he only shoots 30%. Oh, he only shoots 30%. Well, that's actually tremendous. And if he shoots 30%, I think the Bucks can coast to a title. I'm not going to say coast to a title just because that, that might appear to be a little cocky, but it's almost unfathomable how good Giannis could be if he develops that three-point shot. Uh, two things he needs to work on, free throws and the three-point shot. And luckily, they're kind of similar in terms of they're both shooting elements. And he's going to be spending probably every single day of this entire offseason in the gym working on those things. So it's it's just extremely, extremely scary for the rest of the league and very exciting for uh, a city of Milwaukee who really hasn't had a shot at a championship in a long time. There's this buzz in the air that this might be it. Yeah, and I want to give a lot of credit to Budenholzer, who got it with getting that Coach of the Year award, but just looking at like the shock chart of 17-18 compared to 
everything became either a three-pointer or in the paint. And, like, Giannis is an amazing player. This is the exact team that LeBron should have had around him in regards to the style and everything like that. They have built it right. It's revolved around Giannis, and he is the engine that keeps the car going, but you need to have all the other pieces. And I think Milwaukee has done that great. A lot of it goes to Budenholzer and the rest of the roster that was constructed. Um, the one big loss that you had, and I tend to think it's not as big as a lot of people are making it up to be, is Malcolm Brogdon. I, I understand the 50-40-90. He's an amazing player. He's efficient. But a lot of the shots he was getting were thanks to Giannis and Middleton, he was getting very open looks. And Wesley Matthews is not as good of a player. Kyle Korver is not as good of a player as Malcolm Brogdon. But I think they are still going to be able to knock down their shots. Wesley Matthews has worse defense, but I still think it's sustainable and going to be fine. Do you feel like losing Brogdon is is a big hit for this Bucks team? You know, Brendan, you bring up a great point because there's no doubt losing Brogdon is a big hit for this Bucks team. However, our general manager, executive of the year, John Horst, has signed players to fill that void. As good as Brogdon is, as good of a leader as he is, as good of a shooter as he is, as great of intangibles that he has, he is only one player, and the Bucks have added depth in the form of Kyle Corvin, Wesley Matthews, don't sleep on Dragon Bender. The man has no expectations, but he was in the worst environment in the NBA, and he is now in the best environment in the NBA. And I think working with a coaching staff like Coach Budenholzer, those three guys put in this championship environment, um, you know, asked to be stars in their roles to kind of borrow a term from LeBron. It's very, very possible for them to replace Brogdon's production. And, of course, you can't really replace Brogdon's intangibles, but collectively, in the locker room, there's not one bad seed amongst these players. There's not one bad seed on this team. Everyone is pulling towards the same goal. Everyone's rowing in the same direction. That's a championship, and that really brings out the best in people. Um, you see right now, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, even Pat Connington are competing for the USA team. They're elevating their game, playing with some great players. Those are... You know, Chris Middleton's an all-star, but Brooke and Pat Connington, he was off our bench. So it just kind of gives you an idea of just how focused and how dedicated these guys are to taking that step forward. Uh, Wesley Matthews, he probably could have gone anywhere. He probably could have got more money. Kyle Korver, the same thing. But they chose to come to Milwaukee because they want to win a championship. So while losing Brogdon hurts, uh, you know, we have replaced him with several players. So it definitely makes some sense, especially with Milwaukee on a, from a financial perspective, you know, it's a lot of money that Brogdon was going to get paid. But I think that there is a question about if this team is really truly, if they're really truly in contention, uh, you know, potentially even the favorite to win a championship uh, over the next couple of years, why not spend that extra money uh, and just try to make that a lock because with Brogdon, you know, like you mentioned, there have been some replacement players that came in and yes, Wes Matthews, Corver, Bender, those guys could all potentially have a role on a, on a good team. Uh, Bender, you know, maybe, maybe not, but you know, those guys are, those guys are there. 
uh, but they're all minimum guys. So they're guys that could have been brought in regardless of the salary situation. And Brogdon, of course, being a restricted free agent, they could have paid him and then brought in those guys. So uh, I wonder, you know, do you feel like there's any missed opportunity there? And and maybe in comparing and contrasting him with Bledsoe's contract, would you rather have – they both got four years, pretty similar money. Uh, would you rather have Bledsoe or Brogdon? You know, it's a really tough question. Um, I don't want to disrespect Bledsoe. And at the same time, you know, Brogdon got a little bit more money than him. But, you know, Bledsoe, he just needs to pick it up in the playoffs. He's been solid in the regular season. He's dedicated to the team. He plays hard. Uh, he does things that open up the game for other players. He's tenacious on defense, as evidenced by his first-team NBA defense. And... It just goes to show that there's no real easy way to say that the Bucks did get better while losing a player like Brogdon. It definitely hurts. I think more than anything, Brogdon is a player who could very well be president of the United States one day. Like His intangibles are that off the charts. And I'm not sure how well people um, around the league, you know, in other cities, how much they know about Brogdon's intangibles and what kind of person he is. But he is truly an amazing leader. He is so well-spoken. He is so good for a locker room that either way, any way you slice it or dice it, it's going to hurt a team that loses him. But in terms of the financial situation, uh, the Bucks are going to be going into the luxury tax any year now, and they just chose to delay it one more year. So there's something to be said about that. Uh, the, the overarching goal here is to get Giannis and keep Giannis in a box uniform for his entire career, which no one in Milwaukee seems to be worried about, even though uh, it's kind of become a little bit of a trend around the league in the offseason when they have to you know, write something, I guess, to say, oh, will Giannis be enticed to go to New York? Oh, will he be enticed to go to L.A.? Well, time and time again, Giannis has reaffirmed that he wants to stay in Milwaukee, and until that ink on the contract is dry, you just have to do everything you can to make that a reality. Um, the overwhelming evidence points to him staying in Milwaukee. And obviously in this current landscape of NBA players, player movement is the norm. But Giannis isn't really like those NBA players. He, he said it himself. He doesn't want to be buddy-buddy with all these players. He'd rather compete and, win for a and go for a championship. And really, the loss of Brogdon to that kind of money, like if he would have gotten Bledsoe money, there's a chance, there's a very good chance he would have been able to stay. But Brogdon, a lot of people don't know, his initiative is to provide clean water for the planet. He believes basketball is part of his overall purpose and a means to an end for him to maximize his uh, platform and do good in this world. And he wants to provide clean water to Africa. That's one of his main projects right now. So it made sense for him. I'm not saying it made sense for him to leave the Bucks, but if you follow Brogdon as closely as those in Milwaukee did, you kind of understand why he took the biggest deal on the table. And it just happened to be a plus that the Bucks actually extracted some draft picks from Indiana. And it's very possible that those will be used to acquire another impact player whether Bledsoe's part of a deal like that or not uh, the Bucks now have some draft picks in the cupboard that was looking pretty bare we now have a first rounder and second rounder as well so
Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. Hey guys, just want to give you a quick reminder that if you like what you're listening to, we'd really appreciate a quick rating and review of the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're getting this podcast. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, we'd love to interact with you. We can take your questions, answer them on the podcast as well. That is at Kings underscore Pulse. We also got an Instagram, Kings underscore Pulse. And we are the official podcast of uh, Reddit r slash Kings. We got a sticky thread on there if you want to ask questions. So we really appreciate it. And, and thank you very much for listening. Yeah, and obviously part of keeping Giannis around is being a good team. And Milwaukee's been able to do that. And they brought back their second best player, Chris Middleton, at a lot of money, though. Five-year, $177 million. They put the max his direction. Um, it, it was something you had to do. A different team probably would have given it to him. Do you feel like Middleton is good enough now and going to be good enough moving forward that he can be the number two option behind Giannis on a championship squad? That's another really good question. And I think when you see the amount of quote-unquote stars in the NBA, Chris Middleton might not seem like he fits into that tier. But if you take away the pizzazz, the sizzle, all the outfits that these guys wear, all the you know maybe social media stuff they might do to become more relevant, and you just look at their games, Chris Middleton is a hell of a player, and he's tailor-made to be a standout guy in this modern NBA landscape. He shoots, he defends, he's vocal on the court, he's an improving passer, and he's clutch. He's made several game-winning shots throughout his career. Uh, he's single-handedly gone off against the Celtics, and he's also improved. Like He's steady improved to his game. Something that not a lot of people talk about is the mid-range game. Chris Middleton has one of the best mid-range games in the NBA, if you need to throw it to a guy to just get a shot off and need that shot to go in, there are very few players in the NBA who can just get a bucket like Chris Middleton. He doesn't shoot with the same amount of volume as a lot of these second stars, but he is extremely effective, and he's a two-way player, which at the end of the day, two-way players are what win championships, and he's also fully in tune with his role. A lot of these teams that may have stars and may be look a little bit better on paper, oftentimes they go through chemistry issues. And on the Bucks, that's another thing that nobody's talking about. We have the chemistry. We have the cohesion. We have the continuity. There was so much player movement this offseason. For example, the Bucks are going to open their schedule um, this coming season against the Houston Rockets with Westbrook and Harden. Well, game one, the odds of Harden and Westbrook having that chemistry down is, who knows, maybe they will, but odds are they don't. In the Bucks, they return their entire team. So one would think they would kind of continue where they left off and hit the ground running. And Chris Middleton is going to be a huge part of that team. He's a winner. 
Yeah, and maybe the final piece of the puzzle last year came in the form of Brooke Lopez. And we know that Budenholzer really unlocked something in him with the sort of sprawl ball, with the the threes that, you know, he's really a perimeter guy for a, a, a seven-footer, uh, maybe the, one of the best perimeter guys out there. And it was a pretty incredible bargain to get him for just over $3 million for last season. But they did double down, uh, the Bucks did, and extended Brooke Lopez. Are you concerned at all uh, about the four-year deal for a guy that's it's a little bit older, uh, you know, not necessarily, you know, he's not a Kyle Korver, uh, type of age. I, I, Kyle, I believe Korver is 38, but, uh, you know, Brooke being, uh, 30 years old now, any concern about paying for him at, at 34, 35 years old? Absolutely. Like no one really expected him to get that long of a deal, but in the grand scheme of things, retaining Brooke was a big part about, keeping this championship window open and the cost of retaining him has the result of keeping the championship window open. So one thing that should be um, considered is that Robin Lopez is now on the team, just like the nicest is on the, is on the team. And these sibling rivalries, what they do is they help players become the best they can be. They help people in life become the best they can be. And they keep things on a a fun and a light level and keep that locker room chemistry good. And, of course, Brooke, you hope that he can continue his success. He's a big part of what the Bucks do on defense in terms of boxing out so Giannis can get the rebounds. He's a very underrated shot blocker in terms of the way he alters shots and impacts games. And he can drain him from Curry range. Uh, you know, everyone likes to go crazy over Steph Curry, but... No one really goes crazy over Brooke Lopez, even though he's draining them from way out, just like Steph Curry. So if he can do that, which I doubt he'd forget how to do that, um, you know, he's going to be a huge part of this team's success. And the only thing that might be a little concerning is he did have a little bit of a slump there in the playoffs, but he did pick it up. So you got to give him credit for just battling through that. Brooke, at this stage in his career, he values winning, and that's why he chose to stay here for. 52 million is a, is a large chunk of change, but in the current NBA landscape, um, you got to look at that as kind of fair money. Maybe the years are a little long, but that's the cost it, you have to pay in order to keep the championship window open in a market like Milwaukee. So, um, all in all, that's a plus to retain Brooke. Definitely. And I'm curious what you think of Wesley Matthews. I know we kind of touched on it a little bit. He is the Brogdon replacement. But it looks like he's going to be inserted into this starting lineup. You guys play with high pace. You shoot threes. Wesley Matthews definitely does that. Um, but what do you expect from him on the defensive end? Do you think that there's a chance he starts to become a liability? And does he fit that pace? Well, Wesley is a little older. There's no doubt about that. But similar to a lot of these guys on the team, he's looking to win a championship. And Wesley Matthews actually played at Marquette. Uh, I'm not sure if a lot of the listeners know that. So he's kind of coming back home. He grew up in Madison, played his college ball at Marquette, was a four-year player. And he wasn't even great at Marquette until his senior year. He broke out his senior season, ended up catching on as an undrafted free agent. And he ended up carving out an insane NBA career by, you know, not by being lazy, by being a good player. And so much of defense is effort. And at this point, if you can give Wesley a chance to win a championship, 
I think he's going to be competing on defense just fine. I think his basketball IQ is right there with you know a lot of the great vets in the league where he'll know where to be at what time. He'll know the rotations. And similar to you know so many guys in this team like Connington and like Chris Middleton, Wesley Matthews is the kind of guy who has the mindset to be a star in his role, which you find guys in championship-level teams doing just that. So uh, last year he shot... 37% from three. You got to like that. He's a career 38% shooter from three. Um, he averaged 12.2 points per game last year. Picking that guy up on the minimum, he shot 81% from the line. It's a tremendous pickup. Like, if he's not the best on defense, that's understandable. But he's not the kind of guy to be lazy out there. So uh, I do expect Wesley will be a capable defender, albeit he's not as athletic as he once was. Um, I do expect him to be a capable defender and not really be a liability so to speak so we covered the the veteran signings for this team and the bucks actually didn't draft anybody uh the 30th pick they were they traded over to the pistons and that eventually got moved to the cavaliers and the 60th pick uh came to sacramento so you know one day when vanya marinkovic is a superstar you'll come to regret that uh in a king's uniform but uh, let's talk about some of the younger guys on this team uh, that didn't come to the draft this season, but in past seasons, uh, Dante DiVincenzo, uh, Sterling Brown, and DJ Wilson. Uh, you know who's going to pop? Who it, of the young guys do you expect anyone in particular to be taking a step forward this season? That really depends on the minutes these guys are given. I would say if I were a betting man, I'd put my money on DJ Wilson. He's in the gym. He's hungry. And his skill set is right there to kind of step into that role that Nikola Mirotic uh, vacated. So DJ Wilson can shoot the threes. He's very good with his footwork on defense. And he's active. And that's not a slight against Sterling Brown or Dante DiVincenzo because both those guys expect to have an impact as well. But DJ Wilson had a tremendous breakout season last year in a small sample size. And then we traded for Nikola Mirotic. So his minutes were kind of, uh, kind of fell in the rotation a little bit through no fault of his own. And at the same time, Sterling Brown, he's a very underrated wing player who also had sporadic minutes, meaning it was hard for him to find a rhythm. I know that he didn't have the best showing in summer league, but summer league doesn't matter, thankfully. And Dante DiVincenzo can jump out the gym and shoot, uh, from deep. So those are two skills that really translate well to what the Bucks are trying to do in terms of pushing the pace, spreading the floor, flying to the rim, just being active. Uh, Sterling Brown, every year he adds to his game. And being the younger brother of Shannon Brown, he's kind of exposed to what it takes to be you know, a good player. Every year he just adds to his game, and he's definitely not lacking confidence. So I think between those three guys, we do have a solid group of young guys. And they're all going to be battling for minutes. So this team is very, very deep. I think... You know, there, there are a few teams in the NBA that are as deep as the Milwaukee Bucks, and those young guys are definitely going to be expected to play a role this year. Um, it could be Sterling. It could be, be DJ Wilson who breaks out. But I think they're both going to not get a ton of minutes, although it is a long season, and I expect you'll see more load management than ever before. And who knows? Dante DiVincenzo, he's been hurt for a while, so no one really knows what to expect out of him, but his talent is definitely evident. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that Sterling Brown was Shannon Brown's younger brother. That's that, that's definitely a little fun fact that you dropped in there. 
Um, I think one of the underrated aspects of Brogdon that he brought to this team was being able to to kind of run that second unit. It, it felt like they used him for that aspect a lot. And I'm curious if you think that they will start to stagger or maybe they did last year and I didn't watch enough Bucks games to help run that second unit. Because you can tell me if I'm right th- with this, but the second unit I sort of see is Hill, Brown, Connington, Ilyasova, Robin Lopez, which it's kind of like, where is the playmaking there? And previously, if you had Brogdon in there, you know, maybe Sterling Brown was an early sub in his place and Brogdon runs a second unit. Um, does it become Bledsoe or Middleton or maybe even Brooke Lopez can be a little bit of a, uh, a fallback in that second unit? Do you, do you feel like there's going to be a little bit of staggering done this year? Well, I think with George Hill manning the point guard position in the second unit, uh, we're in good hands. George Hill at this point in his career knows what it takes, and he actually was a tremendous performer in last year's playoffs. The one man that a lot of people are sleeping on is Pat Connington, but they shouldn't be sleeping on him because he's in camp with Team USA right now. And, you know, I think this guy, if you turn on the tape, he just flies all over the floor and you throw out the term playmaker, and that's exactly what Pat Connington is. Uh, he can shoot threes, he can make blocks, he can fly to the rim for rebounds, and he's still getting better. He's a young guy, and he's, you know, he's just still improving. He's very hungry, he's always working on his game, he's focused, and although we only mentioned about five guys for that second unit, it's important to consider that Wesley Matthews, um, you know, Kyle Korver, even Dragon Bender, uh, Coach Bud is going to have plenty of options on his bench, like Robin Lopez. He's shooting threes now. If Brooke Lopez can shoot threes, and there's no doubt that his brother can accept the challenge and do it as well, he might not do it as well as Brooke, and I don't think it's fair for anyone to accept that or expect him to do it as well as Brooke. But we have, instead of just like a five-man second unit, we kind of have like an eight-man second unit. And depending on who's hot and who's not, Coach Bud will, being the coach that he is, put the right combination of guys out there who embrace the analytics, they'll find out which matchups play well together, and there shouldn't really be too much of a drop-off. I mean, who knows? Maybe even Tenacious will get uh, some impact minutes. Speaking on drop-offs, do you think that anyone on this roster is uh, in danger of falling off a little bit, at least from their role uh, in last year's team? I mean, you do have some older guys on this squad. Uh, you know, I, we mentioned... Uh, we, we mentioned that uh, Brooke Lopez is getting up there in age. You know, Bledsoe is is no spring chicken either. Uh, he's still in his late 20s, but there's a potential for him to slow down a little bit with the athleticism required to play point guard. And then George Hill also at point uh, he looked a little bit washed in Sacramento and picked that up when he left town. But uh, do you have any concern or anyone else that you think could take a step back this season? Being objective, anytime a player signs a new contract, they're prone to try a little bit less. Uh, they just got paid. It's 100% guaranteed. Watch that they play as hard. However, this team is expected to compete for a championship. And these guys in this locker room, this coaching staff, this organization in general, the city, they hold each other accountable. Uh, Giannis is a de facto leader. He leads by example. 
people see how hard he works, and I don't think there's going to be any shortage of hard workers on this team. If I were to pick one guy, I don't want to single anyone out here, but I think it might be one of the guys who just got paid, whether that's Brooke Lopez, whether that's Eric Bledsoe, or maybe even George Hill. Um, you know, they Eric Bledsoe, it's a little concerning given his playoff performances, but he's extremely talented. You can't take anything away from him. Lopez, he had a tremendous year last year, and he got paid $52 million, so maybe he'll drop off a little bit. Chris Middleton, I don't expect a drop-off for him, but he will be prone to harsher criticism this year, having signed that humongous deal. So he's the kind of guy who is just so talented, and not a lot of people like to give him a ton of credit, but he's just very talented. It's hard to imagine he'll take a step back because he has so many things in his bag he can go to, whether it's spin-around jumpers, three-pointers, transition baskets. Um, you know, he can get buckets from anywhere. So if one thing's not working, he can go to something else. Brooke Lopez, his game might be a little more limited. Uh, Bledsoe, his game might be a little more limited, but having Giannis on the floor and having defenses have the key on those guys, uh, that'll help all those guys take a little pressure off all those guys. And luckily this team is just so deep. If one of those guys does have a, you know, a little bit of a fall back to earth type season, there's a guy named Giannis Antetokounmpo who is expected to take another leap forward this year who will probably make up for that and more. Yeah, and that's kind of the other side of that question that I wanted to ask you. It sounds like Giannis is a guy you expect to trend upwards, understandably, and people might think that's crazy And after, after an MVP year, but I, I remember Curry's first MVP year, and then the next year he's top five in most improved player because all of a sudden he's a unanimous MVP. And Giannis really is that good. We mentioned at the top he's only, what was it, 24 years old, which is insanity. Is there players aside from Giannis that you think um, will take a step in the in the right direction this year and improve their game a bit? You know, I expect Chris Middleton to step up a little bit this year. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets over 20 points a game. And luckily, there's not really a big gaping hole where someone needs to step up. Like, if we would have lost Brogdon and not signed Corver and not signed Wesley Matthews, there might be a little more pressure on these guys to fill those points, fill those stats, fill those minutes. But, you know, regardless of where that production comes from, we just have a great squad top to bottom. And I think the Bucks are going to be the one seed in the East. And if we are the one seed in the East, regardless of how the numbers shake out individually for the players, yes, they might be getting a little criticism. If the numbers aren't as great, but if you're the number one seed in the East, then what does it really matter? We all know Giannis is going to get his. He's probably going to take the biggest leap out of any of these players, just being objective, because if you look at his stats, he increases them every single year. Maybe one of the young guys, but I don't see them getting a ton of minutes. Uh, DJ Wilson, he's got a lot of game. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo is kind of an X factor. I think, don't sleep on Pat Connington taking a step forward. He's working hard. He's competing against some good players right now in the summer. And he's just a playmaker. So, So potentially Pat Connington. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform, 
They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So looking at this team's over-under, we want to get some predictions for you uh, about next season, some hard numbers out of you. So what do you think about that over-under of uh, 57? It's around 57. You can find it a little bit higher, a little bit lower here and there. Uh, it is unanimously the highest over-under of any team. Um, from what I've seen, the Sixers are generally uh, just behind them by a couple of games, two or three games here and there. But first of all, does it make sense to you? Do you think that it's justified that the Bucks should be the highest uh, projected win total by any team in the league by at least three games? And secondly, do you think that they can hit the over on that? Or if you had to put money on it, are you going with the under? I'm going to put money on the over. And I'm not a betting man. I think betting on sports is, even though it's wildly popular, I think it's a losing battle. Um, but if you ask me if the Bucks are going to get more or less than 57 wins, I think we're going to get over 57 wins. And it wouldn't surprise me if we get 61 wins, just because Lord knows how good Giannis is going to be this year. And the team in general is on a mission. Uh, it could be the issue of complacency, but the way the Bucks went out in the playoffs last year, this whole team has got a chip on their shoulder. This whole team has got a sour taste in their mouth. They have something to prove. And the Eastern Conference is actually quite weak this year, too. So I think that's going to play into it a little bit. Obviously, the West is much stronger, but we're going to see those teams a little less. And I do believe the Bucks are the best team in the NBA. I think the only other teams you could really say, you know, are in conversation for that uh, title is maybe the Clippers, just given their depth. But who knows how Kawhi and Paul George will mesh? Um, you know, both. That's not just one new star. That's two new stars. And the reason the Clippers were so good with their talent last year, um, kind of one of those situations where, uh, what's that phrase? Like the sum of the the whole is greater than the individual parts or whatever is because they didn't really have a de facto star. So who knows now that they have two stars, maybe, you know, their supporting cast gets a little funky or gets a little, uh, takes a step back or something like that. The Lakers, LeBron James, I don't think anybody should be sleeping on that man. Um, I think he's going to come back on a mission. Anthony Davis is an elite, elite two way player, but they don't really have, the depth that the Bucks have. They don't really have the depth the Clippers have. Uh, the Raptors, they're a tremendous team, but they lost their superstar. So I think the only other team who could maybe be in the consideration would be Philly, but I would even put them a, a, in a tier below the Bucks. And then the sec my second tier would be uh, the two LA teams, and then right below the two LA teams, I would put Philly, and then after that would be the rest of the team. So I think the Bucks are in their own tier atop the NBA. I think the L.A. teams are in their second tier. I think Philly's alone in their third tier. And I think after that, you can start listing off some of the other teams. How about you guys? Yeah, I, I think that I'm putting Milwaukee personally, and as much as it pains me to say it as a Celtics and a Kings fan, I, I think the Lakers are taking it. It, it, it sucks. I've it, This is the first time that I think I've said this, and it really blows but I just can't bring myself to betting against LeBron James and Anthony Davis come playoff time. And maybe I'm jumping on this LeBron is unstoppable thing way too late because I hated him forever and never thought he would win. And now I'm jumping on it. But I think Lakers are my top here. 
Clippers are there. And, and then Clippers and Bucks probably are all in that same tier for me. And like you mentioned, Philly probably just barely on the outside looking in just because yep. I, I don't know who their closer is. That That's what really worries me is that Jimmy got the ball every single possession in the fourth quarter. And can Embiid be that guy? I don't really know. I, I think that Horford is actually going to do decent there, but he can't do it for 12 minutes. He can do it for the final two, but I need to see Embiid take that step before I'm ready to put Philadelphia in that final tier. Where are you kind of at with that, Reg? Uh, where I'm at is that that's a com- just such an a, such a trash take, Brendan. I can't believe you would come on this Kings podcast and and say that the Lakers are going to win it. All. I know. I I'm disgusted with you. I can't I'm either. Disgusted with you. It's 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 the words of a man who would be who would be a, an Austin Rivers fan, honestly. So, uh, moving on from that, I'll say the Bucks. I think are legitimately uh, in that top tier with the Sixers and the Clippers. Uh, that the Clippers, it's really about Paul George, uh, his health, his shoulder. So you know, if you know, if you tell me that he's healthy, then I've got the Clippers as the favorite. And the Bucks just behind them, and the Sixers just behind them. But if you know, as of right now, I'm not super confident in the shoulder. So I'll say uh, Bucks, Sixers, Clippers in that order for me. But moving on uh, to our our final question about the Bucks for you, uh, KJ. If you want to tell us a little bit more about projecting forward, and maybe that's hard for a team with uh you know with current championship aspirations like the Bucks. So. Projecting forward can kind of be one of those difficult things where it's like, well, you know, they're just going to be at the top of, of the league for a while, or maybe they're going to start falling off, it, whether they win uh, the title this year or not. But if you're looking, truly looking three or four years down the road with this team uh, and being realistic about it, do you see a do you see a championship win going to Milwaukee and, and B, do you see uh, a struggle or a fall off, even if it's kind of a, a Warriors esque fall off where you don't fall off completely, but you're just, you're focusing more on the regular season. So you're winning less games in the coming years. I think as long as Giannis is in Milwaukee, the Bucks have a shot at a championship similar to LeBron. I do think Giannis has a better supporting cast than LeBron has had a lot of his career. And I think the Bucks will be even better this coming year than they were last year. In terms of win total, I would say 61-21, and 21, or in terms of record. However, given the state of the East, where it is very, you know, not saying very weak, and it might surprise, but a little weaker on paper than it was last year, I think there's a high probability that the Bucks really put a lot of separation between them and the next team. So there could be quite a bit of load management, and maybe that gets us a couple more losses than expected. But it's not like they would matter if we did lock up the one seed. And, you know, Philly is competition, but it's a two-star league out there. So right now, the Bucks not only have two really good guys who are kind of cohesive and they complement each other's games really well, they're both two-way players, and we have a loaded squad. I mean, if you if you look 1 through 13, this team has a lot of quality, and the same can't be said for a lot of other teams out there. Uh, Philadelphia, definitely can't sleep on Philadelphia. 
they're going to be a very challenging team to get past. But I do see a championship in the Bucks' future, whether that's this year. I believe it's going to be this year, and I'm not just saying that because I'm in Milwaukee. You know, I think I may be in the minority here just because Milwaukee is such a small market, but I have followed the Bucks extremely close since Giannis was a rookie, and it's it's kind of got that time. Like, it's it's that time right now, and just the way that Giannis was denied last year, I don't think there's going to be anything that's going to deny him this year. Potentially LeBron James might be the only thing. But I don't think it's going to be the Warriors. I think the Bucks are, you know, a better team than the Warriors, and I, I think it's going to be this year. And if it's not this year, it's going to be next year. There's no doubt that Giannis is going to win a championship. Um, you know, if you ask, like, would Giannis win a championship or would he not win a championship? He's going to win a championship, so it's going to happen, and it's just a matter of when. Yeah, totally understandable and reasonable with what you're saying. And I got one more question for you. I've asked you a couple different times. But before that, Rich, you're crapping on me for this Lakers take. Uh, I want to get... It's a take. No, it's fair. It's fair. I get you. I hate the Lakers. The most hated team. They're literally the biggest rival for my two teams that I enjoy. I hate the Lakers. Despise them with all my passion. And then Philly comes after. But if you had to pick a team to win a championship... Mine is the Lakers. If I had to bet money trying to be an objective, I'm going with the Lakers. So who are you picking, Rich, if you had to pick one? Wait, what is the question? If you're picking one team to be the champion, to win the whole thing next year, who are you picking? Because that I was already, the only reason I said the Lakers. I already, Yeah, I know, and it's a terrible take. And I've already given you the, the three best choices, which are the Bucks, Sixers, and Clippers. The no, Clippers. no, you need to pick one. The Bucks. What are you talking about? The Bucks. I've, give, okay. I've given I've given you not only one. I've given you my second answer and my third answer. The Lakers aren't in my top five, so get that trash out of here. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's fine. All right. So the last question for you. Can you know you... what? You're a you're a Javale McGee fan. That's what's going. I on am here. not. I, I am not. I, I'm not a Javale guy. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> he can't play defense, man. I don't give about this first couple weeks of Defensive Player of the Year BS. But the last question for you, KJ, I've asked you this on probably every time I've talked to you, is what makes the next season a success compared to a failure? And, you know, the the expectations have raised every year. I asked you at the beginning of last season, I think it was to get out of the second round, and it progressed I maybe one round further as the season went on, and it was clear they were the best regular season team. But next year, you're talking about a championship, reasonably so, but... Where, if the journey ends before that, does it really feel like a failure? I think this season will be deemed a success if the Bucks win a championship. Getting to the finals is not good enough. We need to win a championship, and I believe that we will. And I think if we get to the finals, it's no doubt a success but it won't feel like a success. This Bucks team is built to go all the way. We were built to go all the way last year. It was a collapse. There's no sugarcoating it. And the Bucks should have played better. Um, maybe we wouldn't have won it this year, but we should have gotten to the finals. And this year, I don't think there's, I don't think we're not going to the finals. And we have as good a shot at the championship as any team. We have continuity, we have coaching, we have depth, we have defense, we have shooting, 
We have assets in the cupboard if we need to pull a move. This team's going all the way. Yeah, I mean, that's I think that's all you can really hope for is if you can say your team is more likely or at least as likely as any other team in the league to get to the finals, I think you're in a really good spot. And I don't think that anyone would argue that that's not the situation in Milwaukee. So uh, looking forward to it. It's going to be a great year. Uh, looking uh, for another MVP from Giannis. We'll see how that works out. A lot of narratives come into play sometimes, but if he develops that shot, then it's a done deal. Uh, but anyway, we wanted to thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you. Uh, if you want to take a second to plug uh, some of your sports stuff, just uh, uh, go ahead and take this time. Yeah, I just want to thank you guys for having me on. Um, Brennan, tremendous host as always, and Rich, it was great speaking with you. I love talking basketball with you guys. And if anyone's looking for some great content, just search Ike, I-K-E on Twitter. Um, we have Ike underscore Bucks, Ike underscore Packers, Ike underscore Brewers, Ike underscore Badgers. And if you like music out there, I encourage you to check out Ike Music on all the streaming platforms. A new EP was just released. It's called Viking. Six songs produced from thin air. And there's something there for everybody. So once again, just want to thank you guys for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on, KJ. And thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. You will hear from us again in the next couple days.